Awakening, can you feel it? They've doubted us for 20 years. You've never heard of our players. We're just too young to win. This model doesn't bring trophies. Dallas, are the 2016 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup winners. They have done it. FC Dallas have won the MLS Supporter Shield. Do we have your attention? In 2017, we defend together, attack with furious speed, and strike with authority. We sing it, we feel it, we live it deep in the heart. Welcome to FCD Talk. This is Ben. This is Preston. Ben, how you doing? It's been a bit of a crazy week, hasn't it? It has been. It is roughly 100 degrees every day. <laughs> hey, my car had 107 earlier. Oh, my God. It's uh, The heat is just, it's in the middle of summer. This is what to expect uh, when you're in Texas. Uh, but, yes, it has been an interesting week. Uh, we'll be talking about the MLS Cup Uh I'm sorry, Open Cup, which is now over for us. Also, we'll talk about three homegrown players in the MLS homegrown game. Also, we'll do mid-season awards and grades. So, we got got a lot to get to tonight, but we we do have a great show. And uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. So, we just had a game against Sporting KC. That was on 7-11. Uh, the day where 7-Eleven was giving out free slurpers. So anybody that was able to able to get one, uh, I guess that's a good thing, even though it was like a small, so it wasn't like you were getting anything big. But uh, we lost to Sporting KC, 3-0. Uh, this really wasn't the story of the game. There were so many storylines in this game. One of them, Sporting KC, honored Neil Patterson, at the Children's Mercery Park, uh, he was the principal owner. He passed away at 67. Uh, they started off the game that way. Um, how much do you know about this uh, this guy Neil Patterson? I tried to do some research, but I don't I don't really know that much about him. Not that much, um, actually, not much at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, he's I mean he is the current owner. I don't know. Uh, how the ownership will get divvied up afterwards. I don't know if he'll get passed down to his kids or if, I'm sure that there'd be something in, in his will, but uh, it's definitely heartbreaking to see uh, someone who's so invested in the club, uh, especially in the form of an owner, uh, pass away. And especially even at a younger age, I mean, he was only 67. So it's definitely heartbreaking to see. It was uh, nice to see. Uh, Sporting Kansas City uh, honor him in that way. Yeah, definitely. And I think they did a good, great, great job at honoring him. Uh, with him being the principal owner, I think they had Neil, or I think they had NP, like on their jerseys. So they they definitely honored him well. But this was a defensive battle, pretty much the first. I guess you could say. About 80 minutes, 85 minutes or so, uh, FC Dallas was up with an advantage. So, and I say that with Sporting KC being down a player, and we just weren't able to score any goals. It was just a tough game. Uh, we lost 3 nothing. But what really kind of shifted the game was the bicycle kick 
uh, by Maxi. He ended up hitting Ike Parra, uh, who ended up was pretty much knocked out as soon as he got kicked in the head. That was chilling. It was chilling to see um, nothing that you want to see happen to anybody. But he was lit- he was pretty much out by the time he got kicked in the head. Yeah, I mean, he ended up getting having to go to the hospital. He got diagnosed with a severe concussion. Uh, thankfully, uh, he is out of the hospital and is okay. Uh, you also see the the class and Yerudi is that uh, on the field, he's visibly distraught about it because I mean he was unconscious on the field, so it was definitely a very uh, scary moment for. KC and, and Yerudi for sure uh, after the game even though Dallas lost 3-0 uh, ever since he got sent off he was waiting at the Kansas City locker room waiting to get an update on Opara to make sure he was okay uh, I mean you don't see you don't see many players do that and uh, it's it's definitely a, a, it's definitely a, a good representation of Maxi's character uh, because he's that kind of he's that kind of player that yeah he'll like he'll do anything on the field to get the ball and to get the win, but uh, whenever you're whenever you're dealing with a head injury, uh, that's something you don't mess around with. And you already knows what the like that it could have been a whole lot worse than what it was. And at the time, he had no idea how like how bad this injury was. So credit to Maxi about that, but from there. The wheels just fell off for Dallas. Ten minutes later, Javier Morales got a, a straight red card after being down. I, I don't remember if it was one or two nil at that time, but uh, within ten minutes, Dallas was up eleven to ten players and was down ten to nine. So everything just fell apart uh, whenever we whenever we reached that added time. Yeah, it was. That was pretty much the turning point right there. And to your point, Maxi, someone had to basically come up to him and walk him off the field because he was so concerned. And you could clearly see the concern on his face. Uh, Now, the fans at Children's Mercery Park did not appreciate that, uh, didn't appreciate what happened. But I do respect Maxi for sticking around, for trying to see what uh, how we how we was doing? Uh, they end up having to bring an ambulance out. They had a cart out. So that that was exactly the turning point. Up until that point, it was it was great goalkeeping play by Gonzalez and Mila from Sporting KC. But yeah, at that point, the wheels were off. Uh, Latif Blessing getting one goal. Uh, he then he gets another one off a of deflection, and then there was a third goal, which by that time. The crowd was just uh, in an uproar. And the extra time, there was an interesting stat. I believe it said, I can't remember how many games has went into extra time, but this was probably single in single-digit numbers how many times this has happened. Uh, but towards the end, you started to see the frustration, and you started to see FC Dallas pretty much worn out. Uh, they, they, they just looked flat-out tired, which is understandable. They were down... I believe 9-9 as far as players on the field at the end of the game. Um, Jesse Gonzalez got into a little riff with uh, Latif Blessing, who was laying on the ground. Clearly, he wasn't injured. He went off for two seconds, came back. Uh, there was there was some, some jawing. Uh, and who knows? This may be kind of a, a robbery, uh, a bitter robbery, you know, coming up the next time that they that they play. But there's definitely some some bad blood in between these teams. But I think, that, like you said, that point was really the, the turning point in the match. And then Atiba Harris and Latif Blessing end up knocking heads. And Atiba has this bandage on his head. He looks like a trendy tennis player. Uh, shout out to uh, Big D Soccer who put that on Twitter. But it, it, it was a it was a very, very emotional game to say the least. For sure, and I want to I want to go back to uh, the whole like potential brewing rivalry uh, before uh, back whenever Houston was the original San Jose Earthquakes. The big like the nearest team was Kansas City, so there was a bit of a rivalry in their early years. 
So uh, there's always been a little bit of a little bit of tension between the two teams. There's always traveling fans from both sides uh, whenever they play each other. Uh, you know, I, I felt like actually, I, even though Dallas lost three uh, nil, I actually thought it was an incredible game to watch because you, you see that kind of uh, veracity uh, from, between the two teams just throughout the entire game. I mean, before the end of the first half, uh, there were a couple near fights that broke out. Both Pareja and Kansas City's coach, uh, Vermes, both had to be held back by their assistants at the same time in order, so that way they couldn't confront the ref uh, shortly before half. Uh, there's just so much tension all over all over the field between the players and the coaching staff to to see that kind of hostility, especially in a, in a cup game. Uh, I actually, I personally loved it. Uh, all the all the little nasty fouls coming coming from both sides. It was everything that a uh, Mexican league Liga MX fan would want to see in uh, in an MLS game. Uh, it it added a lot more of an entertainment value, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely agree. I mean, it was it was hard to look away. You know, when I when I I started actually watching the game. By the time I got home, I think it was like half uh, halftime and got online because it wasn't on TV. So you had to go on fcdallas.com and I watched it literally from from that point to the end you couldn't look away because there was so much going on and there was it was non-stop excitement that was probably one of the best games i agree with you that's probably one of the best games i might have um ever seen i haven't really watched that much soccer in my lifetime but this one was there was so much like tension you could you could feel the tension you could feel the excitement uh, the crowd was going crazy even though it wasn't our crowd, but they were going crazy. So you you had to feel. I felt some type of emotion for that crowd. Just then, how the game end end up unfolding, especially in their favor. Yeah, it was it was definitely. I I said at halftime that that there were gonna that there were gonna be goals. That that was not that that first red card early on in the game was not gonna be the only red card. And I also said that this is going to go down as a U.S. Open Cup classic. Uh, this is a game that will be referred to years to come, in my opinion, just yeah. because how crazy it got. Yeah, that you you put it right the nail on the head. That this was a classic that we will probably uh, never forget about for various reasons. So FC Dallas is now out of the U.S. Open Cup, so the run is over. Um, now, there was one thing in this game before we move on to the next topic. There was the announcer kept saying, Sporting KC, the soccer capital of America. <laughs> and when I heard that the first time, I was thinking, did he did he really just say that? And did I miss something? Is that true? Or is that just something him being a Sporting KC announcer that he felt like he had to say that? It's a Sporting KC announcer, so of course there's going to be a <laughs> bit of bias. Right, but exactly. No means. I mean, they don't even have the best barbecue. <laughs> exactly. Come on. <laughs> but they're, they're nowhere on, near the soccer capital of America, in my opinion. Uh, I would put St. Louis ahead of Kansas City, in my opinion. Uh, New York has a good shout. Uh, Dallas has a good shout just because of its of its grassroots movement and just the huge emphasis on on youth soccer over the last 30 40 years uh there there are several good cities throughout the country that i would easily put ahead of kansas city as the soccer capital of america yeah yeah that was yeah i had to do a double take and then he said it again it's like okay he's reaching He, he was definitely reaching on that one um, they put so, coffee. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, he had a little something, something in that cup of his. <laughs> All right. So next game is against Montreal, seven twenty-two. So we got a little ways, and we are in the break um, of MLS. Now there was three 
FC Dallas players called into the 2017 MLS homegrown game. Uh, it was Jesse Ferreira, uh, Jesse Gonzalez, Paxson Palmcow, and they will be taking on Chivas, of the under 20s team, uh, the U20 team, on August the 1st. Tell, tell, I guess, tell us a little bit about this game and, and what, what, I guess, what's riding on this, or is this kind of just an exhibition? Oh, it's completely an exhibition. Um, what it is is that it's something that coincides with All Star Week uh, for MLS um, because of the emphasis on homegrown players over the last ten years. Uh, that's something that they've instituted. Oh gosh, probably the last five, six years maybe, is to have a homegrown game uh, to grab the best homegrown players under 22 uh, throughout the league and to uh, put them on one team, sort of like having, almost having like a, a youth all-star team in a sense. Okay, kind of like a rookie game, rookies versus sophomores or something like that. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, uh, some notable, uh, notable player is a 16-year-old Alfonso Davies with Vancouver Whitecaps, who if... Uh, if they've been following the CONCACAF Gold Cup, you do not want to sleep on Canada solely because of Alfonso Davies. He's one of the pr- he's one of the key reasons why Canada is atop of Group A and not Costa Rica. And that's coming from a 16-year-old player. Uh, he's not going to be with Vancouver much longer, in my opinion. Um, but they're going to be playing a very good Chivas U-20 team. They won the... Uh, I believe their version of the Academy tournament uh, in Mexico. Uh, Chivas is also the team that won the Liga MX Clausura back in May, uh, which is based, it's their version of the playoffs. Uh, so they're the defending champions right now for the senior team. Uh, some very good talent, top and bottom. They haven't released their traveling team schedule yet, so we're not too sure what to expect. But at the end of the day, it's going to have. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, a good game to watch just because uh, you can you'll be able to see how far uh, homegrown players have come. Yeah, and I think that's going to be exciting. That's definitely going to be exciting to watch. And the MLS All Star Game will be on August second at Soldier Field, so that will be something fun to watch on FS1. So be on the lookout for that. For sure. And I also want to add in one more thing about the homegrown game. Uh, they're being coached by two familiar names. Brian McBride, a longtime U.S. international, and Mike McGee, uh, who if you followed MLS for uh, the last decade, you'll recognize that name. So uh, having, having a couple of uh, solid former players to coach these, to coach these young players will be uh, something interesting to watch also. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be a fun sight to see. Definitely. And also be able to, you know, probably impart some wisdom and impart some tips and knowledge in these young athletes. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Can I also oh. rant about one? Can I, can I rant about something real quick? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, okay. So uh, while we're on the topic of All-Star Week, uh, obviously we'll probably go more in depth a little bit later uh, in about a week or so. But a large makeup of the of the roster is the MLS Fan 11, which is players that you vote for to make it onto the All-Star team. It's not based off of true quality or anything like that. It's, it's basically your most popular players. So right now, you're starting 11 for the All-Star game. Does not have a single center back. They're all fullbacks. <laughs> and- and it's because you have players like Graham Zusi, who is a longtime uh, U.S. international. It's a name that you recognize and that you're, that it's easy to vote for. Uh, there are several. There's a lot of players that are miss that deserve to be in the in the All Star roster and the in the current All Star roster, uh, but are not. Uh, there are a couple roster spots that are open for. Uh, the the coach will the coach will be coaching the All Star game. It's going to be Chicago's coach. I can't remember his name right now, but it's something that I couldn't pronounce anyways. And then you have two, <laughs> and then you have two spots that are uh, designated for Don Garber, the commissioner, to uh, bring in two players that he wants to be on that roster. It is the most messed up 
version of an all-star of an all-star roster makeup that you could ever really imagine because it's not a true testament to who are the best players in the league. Uh, really, you have three, maybe four spots that are designated for who truly deserve that spot. The rest are designated for whoever the fans vote for. And it's really just it's really just a fan contest now. Yeah. Yeah, you got Sebastian Gavinko, who is the EA Sports more than winner or more than vote winner. <laughs> so you got two players from Toronto. Uh, you got two from Atlanta. And you got two from Chicago. The rest are kind of scattered around. But yeah, it's more of a... To me, what this is, is let's get people to watch it who normally don't watch MLS and who are casual fans. And that's that's what this team is pretty much made up of. This right. is what I'm getting. Right. Let's go, let's go ahead and go through this uh, fan 11 right now. Tim Howard... A 38-year-old goalkeeper who is on the decline, in my opinion, and there are much stronger goalkeepers. I would have put in probably Andre Blake. Uh, he's been a very solid goalkeeper. Uh, Jesse Gonzalez obviously has a good shout as well. Uh, your defenders are Greg Garza, Graham Zusi, and Demarcus Beatley. Uh, you have out of those, you have two offensive players that were converted into fullbacks. Greg Garza is the only one that's actually naturally a fullback and, in my opinion, actually deserves to be on that All-Star 11. Then you have Bastian Schweinsteiger, Miguel Amiron, Kaká, and Michael Bradley. Those those four I don't have too much of a disagreement with. Schweinsteiger, maybe I, I feel like there could be a little bit of wiggle room for him to not make it onto the starting 11, as well as Kaká, because Kaká has been injured a good portion of the season has not made uh, much of an impact for Orlando. Uh, Michael Bradley, I have no issues with that because he's been the he's been the midfield engine for the best team in the league. David Villa, no concerns with that. He's been stellar this season. Nemanja Nikolic, uh, Chicago uh, Chicago striker, has been amazing. No issues with with that. Sebastian Giovinco has been fairly disappointing on my part. Uh, I, I don't think he's been all-star quality, in my opinion. I feel like that for that third forward spot, on like clear, like clearly without bias, uh, Maxi Yerudi would have been a better choice. But the, the other issue is that you have two center forwards in that, so you need to have some people to play wide. So why not go for uh, some of the players who uh, are your natural wide players that that can give you a lot of a lot of assists. Michael Barrios is a good example of that. Uh, so the the issue with the fan eleven is that it's not it's not a true testament to what a what a legitimate starting lineup would look like. Yeah, it's it's something fun that you would just want to put together, uh, almost like a uh, I wouldn't even compare it to a dream team. I would just say something that. You want to put together so people will watch. That's that's really what it what it what it comes down to. Um, yeah. And yeah, Maxi should be in this. I mean, he is. Uh, some stats on him, real quick. I'm kind of going ahead, but he is fourth in in MLS goals, uh, shots on goal twenty seven. I mean, he he is a top five player right now, so he should have been on this roster. And I don't know. You said the commissioner is going to be able to pick two, so. I don't know if you he would pick two out of that. Uh, I don't. Think, I don't think Maxi would get it because I mean there's three center forwards in there. You're gonna need some wide players. So yeah. I would I would see uh, looking at the three assist leaders, uh, Victor Vasquez and Michael Barrios both have ten assists. And another great shot would be Yamil Assad. His has been a great winger for Atlanta. Uh, David Akam has been. Uh, a great player for Chicago, also giving a lot of giving a lot of width to a team that is very uh, very middle of the park heavy. So that which is all which I believe that Akam has been uh, really one of the more underrated players with this resurgence Chicago side. So I I, I do worry that uh, that this All Star lineup is going to be very uh, skewed. Yeah. I think it definitely is. 
Uh, now they're going to be going up against Real Madrid. Uh, do you think it's possible that they will be able to beat Madrid in this All Star exhibition competition um, circus? <laughs> <laughs> it's really a tough say because we have no idea who Real Madrid is bringing. Yes, they're the Champions League winners at the moment, but we don't know if Marcelo, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kaylor Navas, like all of your, we don't know if Gareth Bale's going to be there. We don't know if uh, Sergio Ramos is going to be there. Uh, we have no idea what this, like what this traveling team is going to look like. And also, you also have the, the skewed viewpoint that this is a makeup of the league's best players who are in the middle of the season, who are at top form compared to Real Madrid, who is coming off of a couple-month break and is tuning up to get into their season. So uh, with these kind of, with these kind of games, there's really no telling what you're going to see. Yeah. It's kind of... Um, it's going to be interesting to watch, for sure. And not to mention... I know Ronaldo's having some tax issues, so I don't know. He, I don't know what his situation is going to be as far as uh, what he's going to be doing exactly. So, you know, I feel, I feel like if you play in Spain, you're going to have tax issues no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a foregone conclusion that you're going to have tax issues. Well, <laughs> thing is him, Lionel Messi, uh, Coach Jose Mourinho have all been on trial for tax issues within the last year. So, three of your biggest names in soccer have had tax issues. Yeah, so, something's not right there. Yeah. <laughs> Think better. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it, it must be a good situation to be in because you were able to. Well, Messi was able to get out of it. I think he just right. decided to. I don't know what he did exactly, but I'm sure Ronaldo can do the same thing. Well, this is also a huge rabbit trail right now, but uh, I know that <laughs> I've done I've done some research on this because this is all this stuff has just been very strange. Because I think I think it was Sergio Ramos. I could be wrong, uh, but another player recently was found guilty of it. Was technically sent was technically sentenced to a year in prison, but with the way that Spain works, is that if your sentence is under eighteen months. You could serve the prison sentence, quote unquote, at home. That you don't actually have to go to the jail. Yeah. So it, there's, it's something weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it definitely is. And once again, you're tuned in to FCD Talk, a part of All In Sports Talk. Go download the app All In Sports Talk on Google Play, on iTunes. Also find the show on SoundCloud. So let's get into mid-season awards slash grades. This is the mid-season. I think it's exciting. I think it's fun that we go down and talk about these. We may have some similar answers. We may not have some similar answers. But let's start it off with Team MVP. Uh, Overall MVP to me is Maxi. To me, it's no surprise. Like I mentioned Fourth in MLS in goals with 11. Shots on goal, uh, 27. Uh, He has been better than what he's been in his whole career, quite honestly. He's had more goals in this year than he's had in his entire career. And he has been the emotional leader of this team. He's been the offensive leader of this team. And without him, honestly, I don't know where, where we would stand. So... I got to give it to to Maxi. I've I've got nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, Maxi has been he's had a career year, and I I agree that he's been the heartbeat of this team this season. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a very solid honorable mention for Michael Barrios, who's had a, pretty much of a career season as well, leading the league in assists. Uh, I mean, Maxi's uh, success couldn't have happened without Michael Barrios. Uh, there's also a reasonable shout for, uh, really, I, I, in a sense, I'd, if we're going to make like a comeback player uh, of the year, I'd give it to Roland Lamar 
because he's also an honorable mention for team MVP uh, because, you know, I mean, he's got eight goals within the last two months. Uh, yeah, he had a little bit of a, a little bit of a rough start. I mean, we've been talking about that since the beginning of the season. Uh, Jesse Gonzalez has also been uh, outstanding. He's had quite a bit of clean sheets. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of great options for team MVP, but nothing can really compare to Maxi at the moment. I agree. And yeah, Roland Lamont, I don't have that award on the list, but we can give it to Roland Lamont for, for comeback player. Definitely. Yeah. He is in these past games. He is on, he is just kind of hit another gear and, and he's just settled into a groove that we've wanted and that we've expected all along. So he's definitely right there. All right. So, Offensive MVP, uh, it's going to be similar to team MVP. I'm giving it to Maxi, but like you said, Barrios could be right there. Lamar could be right there also. Uh, Kellen Acosta really early. Now, he hasn't been around because he's he's got uh, bigger and, and uh, better aspirations right now. Um, so... You could you could even put him into that mix because his early on success, we've been calling this the year of Kellen for a reason. So you can almost put either one of those, I think. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go with Maxi again there. For sure, and uh, I definitely agree with uh, having a good shot for Kellen. Uh, a little bit of a humble brag for myself with my first article with Big D. I coined that term "year of Kellen," and I just love how it just has just blossomed from that. So every time I see the hashtag Yuri Kellen, I have a little bit of, a little bit of joy inside of me. Uh, just a little bit of, <laughs> just you, a little bit of, when I coined it. I, I, I do, I do love the fact that, uh, I coined something that's, that's really good. That's gone into the U S national team now that, that they've been using it for whenever they've been promoting Kellen. Uh, but going back to offensive MVP, there's, I mean, if you're going to be the team MVP and you're the striker, you're getting offensive MVP also. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a that's a shoe win right there. All right, defense sub MVP. Uh, I'll let you go on this one first. You know, I know, I know who your defensive MVP is, and for the sake of being different, I'm going to be different. Um, I'm going with Minor Figueroa. Because uh, he's been a lot more versatile than uh, what we've been seeing lately. Obviously, he's incredible left back, but whenever Walker Zimmerman got injured, uh, he's had to fill in in the center back spot, and it's just has been just as good, if not better, at center back. And it's really helped steady the ship whenever uh, there was some serious uh, defensive depth issues. Um, but Mano Figueroa has been. Uh, all over the place and uh, has excelled everywhere he's gone. He's actually had some pretty nice, he's had some really good tackles inside the box to prevent uh, to prevent shots and they've been some of the cleanest tackles I've seen and that's like, that's exactly what you want from a defender. So I'm giving it to, I'm giving it to Figueroa. Yeah, this one was a tough one for me because I was really leaning on Figueroa or Grana and I end up going with Grana uh, mainly because of just the minutes that he has played. He's played almost um, I would say almost 100 more minutes than Figueroa. Figueroa has been called uh, to Honduras for some international play. But Grana, to me, has just been a, the, a bright spot, a huge bright spot for this team. And if, we, if you take him off of this team, he's made some amazing stops. He's also been a just a leader uh, on the, on that defense, and also uh, willing to get in players' faces, not afraid, not backing down, and uh, that's that's why I'm giving it to Grana. But it was definitely a tough one between him and Figueroa, but uh, I gave the edge to, to Grana. But this it's it's a good problem to have when you've got two guys that you could be excited about. For sure, I mean, in reality, there's a lot more than just two. I mean, we have. Probably the best center back partnership in the league. Uh, it's just a shame that Zimmerman has had that knee injury that took him out for about a month. 
and Hedges has been busy hanging out with Kellen Acosta at national team camp. Um, and then obviously Justin Gonzalez has, I mean, he was rewarded with a new contract uh, yeah, with, with how he played. And he's, he's had some amazing saves this year. He's been up for, I think, save of the week at least oh. twice. Uh, it could be more times than that. So it's it's a great problem to have. It's a great problem. Definitely. To and have. I mean, got to give uh you got to give a shout to a very underrated player in Carlos Guerrero because yes. whenever especially whenever you had the uh whenever you had the, the 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 defensive famine of 2017, Carlos Guerrero was really important to uh to take care of Atiba Harris and Walker Hume. Uh, during those couple of games that they had to be the center back partners, so uh, not not throwing Grayzo in the mix is uh, it, it. He he needs to be he needs to be in the conversation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And you have been a a big promoter of him, and you have also turned my uh, direction to him. Anytime I'm watching a game, I'm watching what Grayzo's doing. So definitely an honorable mention to him. Now I did not have this on our on our kind of pre-show uh, notes, but most disappointing player. Um, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I would call it dumpster fire of the year. <laughs> that's that's a great name for it. I mean, that would be like a basically a dumpster uh, with a with a fire coming out of it and put it on a on the head of a trophy. That would, that would be. Uh, That'd be an awesome trophy. That that would be. You probably wouldn't want to put that in a in a pan in a. In a, in a uh, on a yeah panel or anywhere like that, but it would be oh, interesting no. to be able to get that out. All right, um, to me is it's we've been talking about this all year. I'm gonna go with a guy who's had very long droughts, um, very very high expectations coming in. Still hasn't really turned the corner yet. He's got shots on goal. He's got opportunities that he's had, but he has not gotten over the hump. Uh, Christiana Coleman. I was actually going to start a ticker for how many games it has been, but I didn't count the games, so I, f- I figured I'll maybe wait till next week. <laughs> but we're going to do a ticker. <laughs> we'll wait till the 22nd game to see if that ticker continues to start. But yeah, he and it's disappointing. You don't want to. You don't want to single a guy out, but. It's it's just facts. It's just we're just stating facts. We're not trying to point fingers. We're not trying to blame him for anything, but it, it is true. Yeah, that's that's fair. And the trans, I mean, the transfer fee doesn't help his case at all. I mean, I, I'm going to say this. I'm completely agreeing with you that Christian Coleman uh, easily deserves that award of dumpster fire of the year, but. Uh, Within the last couple months, Coleman hasn't had many chances. Whenever he has come on off the bench, he's had about five or ten minutes to change a game, True. and that's just that's just something very difficult in itself. And I mean, at the end of the day, he's put himself into that position due to his lack of output uh, in front of goal. Uh, once he becomes a little bit more clinical in front in front of the goal, then you'll see more confidence coming out of him, and then you'll start to see more and more goals. Uh, I will give an honorable mention, though, um, just because with the few times that uh, he has played, that I haven't been wildly impressed. But I also got to blame it. I also got to blame it a little bit on the fact that there are just so few choices that he didn't really get the help that he probably needed, and that's Walker Hume, uh, the rookie center back, uh, incredibly tall. Uh, not as good as the other Walker. I'd love to see a Walker Walker uh, <laughs> combination. Yeah, just just for the heck of it. Yeah. But um, I've been a little bit disappointed in him. I've whenever you're a first round draft pick, uh, you want like you want to see something out of him. But he's still young. It's still his rookie season. Not everyone's going to be a Tesho Akindeli. Uh, granted, we have. Oh man, he's probably an honorable mention. Also, yeah. crap. For it, yeah. <laughs> We def- I, I I thought about that. Yeah, definitely yeah. for offensive. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, he was expected to cover for Lamar and Coleman 
to make up for their uh, lack of output in their output earlier in the season, and there's only one goal to to show for that. Uh, there's talk that he could be on the trading block now that the transfer window's open uh, for Kakuta Mana, which I think would be an incredible trade. I don't know if that's going to happen because Dallas seems to love Tesho, but I think it would be a good trade for all parties. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah I'm going to cut you off, but yeah, Tesho is... Well, Dallas is in love with him, so if that does happen, ooh, it's going to be interesting to see how other how fans are going to respond. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, knowing where he's at in his career, he didn't get called up into the Gold Cup team for Canada, which was a surprise to many because he he's been a consistent player for Canada, um, and the fact that he's just not getting a lot of game time, Tesho is looking at that to be to be excluded from the gold cup roster altogether. That's, I mean, that's going to make him reconsider some things. So, uh, right now is as good of a time as ever to make that career choice, whether he wants to stay in Dallas and be on the peripherals, or if he wants to make a change and fight for a starting spot with a team that's not fighting for the supporter shield. Yeah. And another honorable mention uh, you could, you could honestly, you could put Chris Sykes in that. I mean, he he, he wasn't really the same goalkeeper as he was last year. Uh, you could put who's the other person I was thinking? Uh, Anibal Chala, even though he hasn't even played a game, but That's not that was fair. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was it was high expectations for him, but he, he he never really got a chance anyway, and he was injured. So, but if you want to just put you know, uh, the expectations that were on them compared to where they are now, you could throw those two in there. Uh, this one may be a little bit unfair as well, because whenever I have seen him play, I've been very impressed, but for some reason, Pereja doesn't seem to play him. Is Carlos Romano, yeah. uh, the center midfielder on loan. Uh, I haven't seen too much for him to make me believe that he shouldn't be playing. But it is disappointed that he's not getting the game time whenever he has been impressive whenever he's played. And now that Dallas is out of the Open Cup, you're going to see less and less opportunities for him. Yeah, that, that's... I, I definitely would put him in that group as well. Um, Alright, let's get to grades for the offense and the defense. Uh, we'll go with offense first. They've, they've been a definitely a team to watch definitely exciting to watch uh, a lot of excitement um, you know I obviously we talked about Barrios leading the league in assists Maxi right there with fourth uh, roll on the mod coming on and I'm gonna give them I'm gonna give them a B plus. Uh, I was thinking about an A, but I think a B plus is good. I think there were some games where they could have scored a goal. Uh, there were some games that offense was lacking a little bit, uh, but I definitely think they are projecting towards the end of the season that they'll I think definitely have an A because everyone coming back from international, everyone back in in steady, um, and that, that's. That's more great for the offense. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a two part grade to average it into one overall grade. Uh, Pre Maro Diaz, I'm giving it a B because they were getting by. They were able to produce some goals without without a true playmaker and to continue to be in that hunt. Post Maro Diaz has been unbelievable. Uh, I mean, look at the last three or four games uh, ex- uh, in, in, in MLS play. And you see a completely different team. You see that attacking force that we've seen the last couple of years. So I'm giving that an A- minus to average that out to agree with you with a B plus. Okay. And that's fair. Um, with, with Mario Diaz coming back, that he has done an amazing job. And just his presence on the field just does a lot for this team as a whole. So definitely have to 
uh, agree with you on that. Defense, uh, I'm giving it an A minus. Uh, they have conceded 18 goals, which is second. This defense with Figueroa, uh, we already talked about Grana. We already talked about um, Hedges, Walker. I mean, they're so deep, uh, Garezo. So, to me, this defense has, has proven uh, that they are the one of the best defenses in MLS. Um, now, they've had some tough outings, uh, but it's very far in, in, in between. They've had, I don't know how many um, shutouts or how many opponents that they, they kept scoreless, but they've been they've been on point they've been on point this this season i think a minus is fair yeah i would definitely agree with that uh i'm gonna probably one up it and give it a straight a uh because the defensive death has been tested unlike any other this season so to to see how dallas is still in the hunt for the supporter shield like once they catch up on games played uh, they'll be they'll be within a couple of points of the support, of leading the supporter shield, and to be able to do that with losing at one point losing Matt Hedges, Walker Zimmerman, and Minor Figueroa all at once, and with Ryan Hollingshead not being at full health uh, to provide that added defensive depth, that defense was tested unbelievably and was able to get through. So I'm giving that an A just because you saw the best out of its depth. Yeah, and and yeah, they this team is really just hitting the sweet spot. That's that's what the scary thing is for the rest of the teams that are going to be facing this this year, facing them this year and MLS. They they are just now hitting the sweet spot, and uh, I'm extremely excited with the rest of the season and how it's going to go. Uh, so, like we said, we've got July 22nd, the next game at Montreal. The 29th is the next home game versus Vancouver. Uh, and then from there on, uh, we get into August and September, and you know, we'll see, we'll see where, where this team is going to go. Uh, like we've been talking about, no longer having to worry about the Open U.S. Open Cup, which... Deep down inside, I'm actually okay with that. Uh, I really want them to focus on this MLS Cup. And I can honestly uh, care less about the Open Cup because uh, I just think this team needs to... Well, it needs to get that cup uh, and complete what, they, what, their, what, their goal was, what their goal was last year. So to... And I think a lot of people may feel that way. But to me, this kind of takes pressure off uh, rotating uh, lineups, trying to figure out who you're going to put here, having games in the middle of the week. It really kind of messes up the, the, the flow. And it, it may take some pressure off of Perea as well, having to try to figure things out. Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, whenever you're a professional, you want to win every trophy possible. But we also know that that's extremely unlikely yeah. and uh with the MLS Cup being that one tr- that one trophy Dallas hasn't won uh I mean Preha said that at the beginning of the season that their number one goal is to win the MLS Cup so uh everything else would would be an added bonus so uh I feel like the tools are in place um I meant to say this earlier but Another honorable mention for comeback player of the year, Ryan Hollingshead, just because of what he had to go through in that long recovery process to get him back and to be fighting for a starting spot. Definitely. Uh, 100%. I mean, obviously, here on FCD Talk, we're big advocates for Ryan Hollingshead, and uh, we just love his story. Um, and we, we love watching him play. So he's definitely a strong candidate for that. So having, I mean, having players like Hollingshead on the bench uh, to be able to come off and make uh, make an impact, really, uh, on the wings or in fullback, uh, that's something that's going to be vital going into uh, the second half of the season. Yeah, it definitely will be. And that just shows the depth of this team 
And I agree with you 100%. We love Holland's head uh, here at FCD Talk. We are praying for him when he went through the accident. When he came back, we were excited. Uh, also, uh, Mario Diaz, too. He, man, you could put him in the comeback player. We didn't, oh, yeah. we didn't even think about that. But you could put him <laughs> in that, too. Um, the difference that he's made. So, so many difference makers on this team. With having so many guys away on uh, international play, on you know competing for for the United States or the country that they're from, and still being able to keep the ball rolling as if there wasn't anything lost, you know, minus Tuesday's game uh, against Sporting KC, which was there's a lot of reasons why that one went south, but for the yeah. most part, this team has been able to keep a level head and keep it moving. Yeah, for sure, and. Uh bringing up the KC game, you reminded me of another candidate for dumpster fire with Javier Morales. Uh, he's been quite the disappointment. Um, yeah, he has been. Like, at this point, I would I would have much rather kept Mauro Rosales and brought him on the last 15 minutes of every game of the season rather than having the... rather than having Morales, because he's been horrible every time he's stepped onto the field. Yeah. Yeah, he, he hasn't lived up to what our expectations were probably at the beginning of the season to now it just hasn't really panned out and honestly I don't know if Perea has that much confidence in him because there was you know games where you know especially the game against his his, his previous team and he didn't even get in uh, to me that, that just maybe shows some not as much confidence in him and then, you know, Mario Gonzalez probably would have been somebody better to bring on. I agree with you on that. For sure. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FCD Talk, episode number 23. Once again, the show is on All In Sports Talk. All In Sports Talk. Get the app, Google Play, iTunes. Also find it on SoundCloud. And we will be sharing it out. So make sure you follow me, Ben BS3 Sports on Twitter. Also, Preston PW116 on Twitter. And you guys have a good one. God bless. And watch whatever you're going to watch during this break because we got a break. Take care. <laughs>